Hey there. We're so glad you tuned into our podcast today. We wanted to let you know that beginning June 3rd, we are shifting to our summer schedule and we will be having one worship experience Sundays at 10 a.m. If you want to find out more, visit our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. The late author Zig Ziglar loved golf and he told a story about one time that he took his son with him to the golf course and his son was still relatively new to the game and uh, so Zig was very impressed by his son's performance and uh, in his first outing. At the tee, the boy lifted the ball straight and in the second shot got within 14 feet of the cup. He had a couple of really great runs and at this point, his son was very proud of how well he did his first time. Zig, being a little bit more advanced and played many more years than his son, thought to himself, should I play like I should or normally would? Or should I, uh, should I just let him keep the spotlight? And he thought to himself, well, I've always taught him to push and be the best he can. So I'm just going to play the way I normally play. So he did. He shot and he shot well, went about his business and he looked over to his son and he said, son, are you still rooting me on? And his son said this, listen closely, I'm always rooting you on. I'm always rooting you on. Nothing depicts the picture of discipleship and also the picture of parenting, mothering, fathering, like I'm always rooting for you. I think that whole idea of always rooting for you was something that that child might have seen in their parent. That child saw in his father, Zig Ziglar. But I also believe that that's almost the, the champion of parents. That's what parents do. We're always rooting for you. We're always believing in you. And sometimes as, as parents, it, it can feel like a blind spot. And sometimes... It could, it could definitely be a blind spot. But man, one of the things about parenting is that we always want to see that there, there's a commitment there. I'm always wanting to see the best out of you. And I always root for you is a great way to cheerlead your children. But it's also the echo of the heart of a parent. And I want to talk to the mothers a little bit this morning, but I also want to talk to the entire family, the whole family, the mother, the father, the husbands, the wives, the children. I want to talk because a commitment, a commitment to see that person succeed, it should be something we all want, isn't it? You should want your mom to succeed. You should want your dad to succeed. You should want your children to succeed. Yes. And I think I think when, when, when Zig's son said to him, I always root for you, it was, it was something that he must have seen in Zig earlier in the years. Because men, we are traditionally very competitive, right? And even some of you ladies as well, right? Very competitive. But at the end of the day, are we really competing? Is it really, does it really matter? Shouldn't we see the best out of everyone in this room, shouldn't we want to see the best out of those that are in the body of Christ? You know, 
So I want to talk about what the family portrait looks like. And some of us go, well, my family portrait is very different than the traditional family portrait. And that's okay. The essence of parenting and mothers on this day as well. Mothers have a distinct way of always rooting for their children. I remember my mom rooting for me even when I was not too good at whatever it is I was doing. She would root for me. And so I realized something as I look upon the news today and every day. That have you noticed in the news that there's an assault against the family? In one way, shape, or form, there's an assault on the family. And if you've, if you've even watched even a, an inch of, uh, of, if you looked at anything remotely close to being media, you realize that the focus is on the family constantly to break the family, to redefine the family, to, to come against the family, to tear apart the family. It's almost a joke to have a family in even any traditional form. The family is, is the single most. And here's why. I believe the family is under attack. The family is the single most influential team in God's weaponry. Think about it. The family is the single most influential team in God's weaponry. Because of the multi-generational impact that they have. Think about how a family affects Anything, whether it's a family joins a school, a family joins a church, a family joins a community. You have your mother, you have your father, you have your children. And they all speak to different generations. They all have an impact on different generations. You notice if you have a family over at your house for a meal, how differently everybody eats. How differently everybody thinks. How differently all the kids play. Why? Because the family is so diverse and so impactful if used for the glory of God. How many agree with that? You see, I want to dig in here to Deuteronomy for just a moment. Because this is a picture of God's family portrait. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 5. Begin at verse 5. And if you want your families to succeed in life, I want you to pay attention to me for these next few moments. Because what I'm about to give you is unbelievable as far as the seed it can plant in your life. So I need you to be very diligent. If you have your Bibles turned there, I want you to see it. If you don't have your Bibles, grab your bulletins, jot these notes down. Do whatever you have to, to write down what I'm about to tell you. Because some of these principles can absolutely affect your your family And your family portrait for years to come. If you have a phone, take notes on it. Tweet it. Do something, but don't let this get away. The Bible tells us in first, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. And take your oaths in his name. Did you hear what I just read? The the reality of what Jesus has taught us throughout scripture. Throughout the New Testament. We read here in Deuteronomy some major things. Way before the gospels were written. But not before the gospel was real. You see Jesus is the word. And Jesus had, has a lot to say about the family. And we listen to those words. But this right here is Deuteronomy. This is the Old Testament. This is where a lot of people have walked it away. You know, Saying hey we're just going to only listen to the New Testament. There's some great principles in this paragraph. Is there not? Some great things. Are we supposed to throw out the Old Testament because it's fulfilled? Absolutely not. In fact, we're supposed to hold it closer to our hearts than I think we, we do. Because it's fulfilled. It's true. It's God's. And he said very specifically in Deuteronomy 6 here that there's going to be a time. And you know how he said this? He said this because there's a temptation to forget. He said, when you come into a place... Where everything you have is provided for you. Don't you forget who gave it to you. Is this good? Don't you forget where you came from. Don't you forget who gave it to you. I love it when he said that. He says when the Lord God brings you into the land. A land of large flourishing cities. Cities that you didn't build. In other words, I have your back. I took care of it, but I gave it to you. All kinds of good things you didn't provide because I did. I did. Wells you didn't dig. Why? Because I took care of it. I saw that it was done. Vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. Provisions from the earth that you didn't plant. I set it in motion way before you were in the picture. Did you know that God put provision way before you were in the picture? God set provisions for you way before you came into play. So, what's the temptation? He says it right at the end there. Then you will eat and you'll be satisfied. But be careful that you do not forget the Lord. There's some people that get everything that they need. And then they forget how they got it. And then when everything falls apart, they come back to God. God, weren't you the one that gave it to me? And God says, I did. But you're the one that ripped it right out of my hands. As long as it's in my hands. You see, God gives you stuff. But you got to leave it in his hands, so to speak. you got to pick and use for his glory. Pick and use at his glory. But the moment you decide, I want it in my pocket for me and my purposes. You're no longer under his care. 
very, be very careful how you take from the Lord's hands. Because we can easily forget. And at the end there he writes, fear the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. This is God's family portrait. Put God first in your family. So my two thoughts are simply this. Number one, put God first in what you teach your children. Mothers, I know many of you nurture your kids. You care for your kids. And you want the best for your kids. And fathers, you want the best for your kids. And you nurture and you care for. There's some single fathers in this room. Single mothers in this room. Single parents in this room. You are in this. Man, you fought, you've clawed your way to get to where you are today. But I want to tell you something very, very pastoral. Are you ready? If you were to look up every reference with the words commit, committed, or commitment, I'm going to surprise you and tell you what you don't find. I never found the Bible teaching that we should put our family first. This is a hard word, but I want you to hear it for a moment because there's an other side to this. Pastor, does that mean I don't love my family? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you don't put your family first. Jesus said this. And I'm going to tell you what Jesus said before you write off what I just told you. Listen to me and follow along. Jesus said this. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I thought the church would be a great place to raise my children. I thought it would be a great place to strengthen my family. I thought that if I went to church, I'd have a stronger marriage. Well, yes. Yes, you will. But not if your commitment is to your family first. You will have the family you ask God for if you keep him first. If you keep him first. In fact, you have a promise. And here it is. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Proverbs 16.3 I want to put my family, my family is my first, first thing. First. No, that right there is the beginning of the end. Put the Lord your God first. And let him show you how to run things. Put your family first and be committed to his purposes and his cause. And watch how that trickles down into your family. Because your kids are watching. Your kids are watching. If your family's first, guess what? We're going to go ahead and God's going to be a distant second. We won't say that, but family's first, family's first, family's first, family's first. Friend, God should always be first. The family you're longing for. Happens when God is first. Husbands, you will love your wives more when God is first. Wives, you will love your husbands more when God is first. Yes, parents, you can tolerate your children a little bit more when God is first. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. I need a little extra patience, Lord. Praise the Lord. God knows who I committed 
And who sets the rules? It's his rules. I'm just the enforcer. Come on, somebody. You got the parental guns. To enforce the will of God in your home, that's a tough job. And that's where it gets very gritty, yes? To enforce God's rules in your house. But if I'm committed to my family first, then they are not happy and I won't obey God. I'm not getting a lot of amens. I must be preaching it. For example, I heard a story a pastor tell one time. This is, let me reiterate, a pastor told this, not this pastor or any other pastor in this church. This is from another pastor somewhere else. He, the story is told of a little boy by the name of Johnny. This apparently was a true story. Johnny couldn't do anything wrong in the eyes of mom and dad. And being the little precocious boy that he was... Little Johnny would periodically misbehave in Sunday school. And one day he was corrected by a Sunday school teacher. A proper manner, in a proper way, was corrected and told that that's not right or this has to change. The parents didn't like it. They left the church, never told the pastor why, never said anything to the pastor. Just left the church because they corrected their child who they thought was perfect. They lived for their children Their children was first. Let me tell you something. Your children are special inheritance from God. They're a blessing from God. Yes, amen. At least most of the time, give me something. Okay, some of you not, not, some of you like, I'm not totally sure, Pastor Tony. If you would have been in my car on the way over here, Pastor Tony, it was just, Mother's Day is not, I tell you that right now. I'm just, but they lived for their children. Not for the Lord. He left the church never to come back again. Friends, I want to tell you something. That doesn't help your situation. Face the truth. Understand that we need each other. It's crucial that we understand that the best thing you could do for your family is to put God first. Husbands, put God first. Wives, put God first. Mothers, fathers, put God first. And I know I'm speaking to mothers a little bit extra this morning. But everything you see in your family. Everything you see God want to do in your family. As amazing happens when God is first. You're wondering if when I put God first. Does that mean I have to walk around and be like some sort of holy figure. And I I can't see that. That's not me. But I want to tell you something. Everything you want to see in your family would be great. Everything you want to see unfold in your family happens when you live for him. First Peter. I'm going to read that in a moment. Actually, I'm going to say this real quick. If I'm committed to my family first, then I'll do what I think is right. If I'm committed to my family first, then I'll do what I think is right. Not what he thinks is right. If I'm committed to my family, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Here's what I want you to understand today. That what you think, if you're thinking too much about this, you'll be imposing your will, not his. 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us husbands should be consecrated as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Did you hear that? Gracious gift 
of life, husbands. Listen to this. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Do you know what First Peter just told you? That there are ways you can hinder your prayer life. Husbands. Let me talk to you for a moment. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Because there comes a point where you have to understand that the strength that they draw from comes from you. That comes from God. And if God is not the ultimate source, where are you drawing your strength from then? You know what it says there at the end? Hinder your prayers. Men, husbands, listen to me. And I'm pleading with you to think about this. When you don't love your spouse, you hinder the prayers and the things you want to see in your family. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office with cold relationships on that couch I don't want that any longer I want our our marriages to be on fire for God amen I want our marriages to be on fire and some of you in this room saying Pastor Tony I'm way past that there's no longer a situation there then be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and watch him unfold through you into your children through you Single mom, single dad does not matter. Whether their father is present, their mother is present, and they're not serving God. I'm going to tell you right now that there is a gift that God wants to give you through his Holy Spirit that will enable you to be everything you thought you can't be because you aren't good enough. Or you aren't married well enough. There are some in this room that you think, I'm not married well enough to be in that position. You never earned it from the beginning, so don't fool yourself. You are capable of receiving from God today. Every single last one of you. But here's the hindrance. Here's the hindrance right there. If you don't respect and consider your spouse, it will hinder your prayers. I didn't say it. First Peter did. You have a question about that, I'll answer it. But don't lash out at the, at the word of God. Before you consider the implications. So watch this. Notice that all these commands from the Lord. Even Ephesians 6, 4. For the children for a moment. Do not exasperate your children. It's talking about the children. Instead bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. And some of you. You love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You do. Or maybe you have a spouse that's still coming along. You're praying. They come along. Listen, keep praying. God is a good God and we pray that he will reveal himself to your spouse. Amen? If I'm committed to God, then I will give my life entirely to him. Not in part, but the whole. I don't own my home, my car, my clothes, my wife, my husband, my children. In fact, they all belong to the Lord. All of it. He holds me accountable for how I treat my family. How I treat the things that he's gifted me. He holds me accountable. First thing I said was this. 
put God first in what you teach your children. And the second thought is this. It's a two-point message. You never thought you'd hear it, but you did. Two points. Just two. Put God first on how you live your life. Look at me. Every single person. I don't care if you've been in the Lord three years or 30 years. Put God first in how you live your life. Why is it that only one part of your life is so, so weak and there are other parts that are doing so well? How many ever felt like that before in your faith? You have a lot of parts that are doing and clicking on all cylinders, right? You're kind of like, I kind of got this going right. I kind of got this going right. But then there's this one area and you're like, I can't seem to get past this. That's the part. Continue to give to him. God, I give this to you. How you live your life. God says in Psalm 37, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like a noonday sun. That's a good word right there. He will cause you to shine. God helps those who honor him and put him first. Uh, Whether you're a Christian or not this morning, I don't know. But every parent, every child, every grandparent, usually you want the best for those in your family. Would that be accurate in saying? Whether you're a Christian or not. How many know somebody that's not a Christian but they love their families, right? And so it it doesn't take Christ to love your family. I think everyone wants the best for their family. It's how we approach what best is. And what we define as best is the discrepancy. Would that, would that be accurate? We want the best for our family. But what does best look like? Some would say the best thing to do is to let little Johnny at five years old do whatever he wants to do. Because I want you to be a free thinker, Johnny. I think free thinking got us in trouble in the garden. Hello? Free thinker. Do what you want to do, Johnny. You want to color on the walls? It's your room, Johnny. Now, listen, I might be stepping on toes because there's some parents and you have a, a free look at life. But I'm telling you, it's, I'm saying that they need some leadership. They need a biblical worldview. They need a model to walk in until they can become of age to answer their own call. It is the parent's responsibility to shine a light on the darkened areas. I saw something ridiculous yesterday and I'm going to just go ahead and say, somebody came out and said, you know what? We should let our children do what they want to do. And to take it a step further, they said, we shouldn't change their diaper until they give us permission. What are you sipping? Chacho, I said, what? Are you kidding me right now? Permission? No, they need you to lead them. They need you to give them inspiration. Show them what the Bible says. 
Show them what the word of God says. And that's exactly, if we can put that first, again, that Deuteronomy back on the screen for a moment. Just that first part. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, they're they're supposed to be in your heart. If you love your kids, you will impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. I know we want the best education. We want the best health care for our children. We want the best. But don't you think God wants the best too? The best thing you could do, mothers, you're, you're natural at it. I get it. I'm not telling you something you don't know. Nurture and love and train. Sometimes us men, we're not so natural at it. We're not naturally good at asking for help. We don't thrive when it comes to taking care of children. We survive when it comes to taking care of children. Right? When my wife goes away for, va- uh, whether it's something, not vacation. She won't go on vacation. She's not crazy. She's not crazy. But when she goes away for an event or something, and I have the kids, I jokingly oftentimes say to myself, my job is to keep them so distracted that they don't realize that I'm outnumbered. Right? That's the father figure right there. Keep them distracted. Look over here. Look over there. Lisa's home. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gone for the rest of the afternoon. I survived. But listen, I joke about that, but may it never be said that my children have not heard from their father what they should believe. Listen, that's what God's family portrait looks like. The portrait of the family is very different than what culture will tell you today. Listen, don't take a cue from the culture. If you truly want to see God's best, take it from God's word. And God's word is very clear. It's his commandments to love your neighbor. To love and honor and cherish the things that really matter. Is this good preaching? Is this helpful? So I have 18 things I want to tell you right now about parenting. Just wanted to see how you'd react to that one. I'm just kidding. I'm going to ask my brother Jay to come on up for a moment. Because I think one of the things we talked about is this. Um, And this is for the men. Listen to me, men, for a moment. Listen to me. I'm talking to the mothers for the, you know, the part of this. But men, listen to me. Uh, the most difficult thing I've had as a father is to train my boys to be men, pre-men. I'm training my boys to be pre-men. I've had a difficult transition with that because I lost my dad young in my life. I lost my dad uh, to alcohol early, so... Early in my life, I was reaching for every male figure that can kind of show me. My mom did an amazing job showing me how to love. But one of the things that she couldn't do is to teach me how to be a man. 
So I had to lean toward certain figures in my life. And watch this. I had to unlearn this idea of real men don't cry. I think at some point in time you at least heard it and maybe you've even said it. Don't cry. Real men don't cry. Can I get your attention for a moment? Because I need you to understand something. Real men cry. And it's because of that teaching that we have a lot of men struggling with why I should go to church and what this emotion I'm feeling inside my heart is. Because they've been taught real men don't cry. And it's hard to separate emotion from spirituality. Let me turn them down a little bit on When we come to a place in our life, men, we have to make decisions. Don't base them all on your past. Because that's what got you to where you are. Why don't you base them on his future for you? When we base them on our past, we set ourselves up for failure. But if we base it on his future for us and our families... we get ourselves in trouble. One day a small boy tried to lift a heavy stone, but he couldn't budge it. And his father watching him finally said, are you using all your strength to do it? The little boy said, I did. I did, I am, dad, I am. And, and the father said, no, you're not. The son said, I am, dad, I am. He says, I can tell you you're not kid was confused. He said, why dad? He said, because you haven't asked me yet. You haven't asked me yet. I'm at your disposal. I'm part of your strength. I'm part of your source. So today, I want you to know something. Train your child to be willing to ask for help when they need it. I found that hard because I want to train my child to be tough and gritty and fight through it, right? How many ever, you ever teach your child, come on, you could do it, get up, dust yourself off, keep going, right? And I do that. But I also have to balance that with, if you need help, ask God. Because now we have men in our church. They can't ask God to be their savior because that would mean ask for help. And we've crippled the family. And if we cripple the men, the whole family structure is thrown off. So two things I learned this morning that I wanted to share. You can cry and you can ask for help, men. Not traditional, but biblical. You can go and weep before God. One of the greatest warrior kings, David, wept before God. Yet he was a warrior king. Yes? But he also asked God, search me. Know me. Lead me. Why? Because in and of himself, he could not do what God asked him to do. Would you pray with me for a moment?
Father, thank you that we are in desperate need of you. And we admit it. Lord, help us not to be so secular-minded that we could think we can do it all of ourselves. I pray you help us to find truth in this reality. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share one more story before I let you go. Can I do this? There was a gentleman that wrote a book. His name is Dan Brown. And he wrote this book. He was the writer of, let's show that picture if we can real quickly. He was the writer of the Da Vinci Code. Some of you heard of that book and even movie. Yeah. He wrote this book called Origin. And here's what he said and here's what he determined. He said this. Will God survive science? Are we naive today to believe that gods of the present will survive and be here in a hundred years? We will start to find our spiritual experience through our interconnections with each other. He went on to say this. Listen to this. Some form of global consciousness that we perceive that will become our divine. Our need for the exterior God that sits there on the throne and judges us will diminish and will eventually disappear. This is what the world is saying And this is what our children are being told. If you don't tell them otherwise, this is what they're going to believe. That God has disappeared and you and I are our own gods. Friends, that is not the biblical portrait of family. God has greater for us. And I'm, I'm only telling you what he said. You will decide if that's okay for your family to believe. I'm telling you, not in my house. We will depend on the Lord our God and serve him only God's portrait of the family is very different than the world so today you decide what's important in your home mothers we honor you we thank you for nurturing nurturing and bringing about the realities of God and some of you you say well I haven't done a great job at that guess what the day's not over you can turn this thing around today In any way that you see fit, you can turn it around. 